hello and welcome to episode 6, colon, the episode where we don't have to correct anything from the last episode. That's right. I, I double-checked. We were talking about it last week, just to, just to follow up on your mentioning of not having to correct. I did check, and Paris, Ontario, does have the crafty store, I think it's Fabricland. Gene and Anne will be on later in the show. Yeah. Um, and I'm, I, they'll confirm, but I'm pretty sure it's a Fabricland in Paris, uh, Ontario. Ontario. Ontario, yes. And what about it again? Uh, that's the only thing that I wasn't sure of last week, um, because when we were discussing uh, uh, province names. Yeah, no, but... And I said there was one. You said there was a big crafty store. Yes. But there are fabric lands everywhere. And I was right. No, but the one in Paris is exceptional. Why? It's super big. Okay. It's got all the fabrics you need. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. And this is the episode also after last episode, and the last episode was the first episode we'd done where listenership was up from the previous episode. It's true. It's true. So, Beverly... Thanks to Bev. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for all the listeners she brought in, and uh, I guess they won't listen this time. So, (laughs) (laughs) we'll see. (laughs) Maybe they will. I don't know. Um, Anyway, so, moving right along to a a best and worst. Uh, I'll start off with a best, a nice, simple one. Um, I'm starting... Last this Saturday was the first time. It's gonna be every Saturday from now on. I got off work two hours earlier than I used to, which uh, it it makes the whole day just so much easier. Just knowing that like I'll be fine, and I I I stay if I need to, um, like if they need me. But they normally don't. Saturdays are so slow. So just knowing I get to go and that I won't be like just walking around killing time for the last two hours. That's pretty great. Yeah, and you, and you get home in time to help around the house on Saturdays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's great because like I get home maybe just after noon because I start work at 5.30 in the morning. Mm-hmm. So normally I get home, well, like just before 1 o'clock, thereabouts. And so the mo- majority of the day. Yeah, then. I feel and... like I have another, like it feels like a day off and then Sunday off. And I don't get two-day weekends, so it really helps. Because even just if I got off at 1.30... Um, I'm not getting home till closer to, closer to three. Right. Which is, uh, and, and traffic is worse. It doesn't take an hour and a half. Oh, it takes an hour. It takes 45 minutes, doesn't it? It takes, bad it, traffic? it takes 45 minutes normally. Um, but then also it, it takes a while for me like to, cause I have to take off all my snow gear cause I work on ah, the cold side right. and then yeah. gather everything and then leave. And then often I get in my car and I clear all the notifications on my phone and Sometimes I get wrapped up in a text conversation. Right. Anyway. And the other good thing this week is because it's your mother's week off, you get to come and go as you please with the That's car. That's true. Because yeah. normally I get off and then I go sit in the car and wait for 45 minutes to an hour and a half uh, for mom to come home, yeah. mom, for mom to finish work and then we can drive home. But this week I just drive home right away. So I'll have like so much more free time. Yes. Extra time. Excellent. Exactly. Then did you have a worst? Um, I mean, there's... So many options. Um, of course, it's terrible. The snowbird crash, uh, Captain Jennifer Casey, um, and uh, Captain Rich McDougal, MacDougal, and uh, sorry, only Jennifer Casey has died. Yes, yes, yeah. I know, I know, but yeah. uh, Captain McDougal yeah, yeah, he's was in serious injured. injuries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a tragedy, and it's terrible that it happens, and. Um, it's a risk that that comes with the job, and we both know people in the air force. So yeah, um, it's nah. it's interesting. I mean, it's a risk that comes with the job, yes, but it brings up. I mean, listen, we've been to the air show in Yellowknife. We saw the snowbirds; they were fantastic. Yeah. I loved it. Is it a necessary risk? Yeah, that's true. That it does bring that question. Um. I mean, I guess in a way, I mean, I don't know. In a way, I guess it almost doubles as a training exercise, like it keeps their skills sharp. For for but, eight to ten pilots or 12 pilots? I mean, how many snowbirds are there? I'm not yeah. sure. Well, I'm thinking of just planes that go to air, do air show stuff in general. Um, but yeah, you're right. It's. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't know. I'm sure they believe. I mean, it probably, it probably is, is 
some sort of recognition and uh, awareness for the Air Force, for the Canadian Air Force. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that's built into it and, and probably some even recruitment in that. You see the snowbirds, you think, oh, I want to do that. Yeah. So I'm not saying it isn't worth the risk. I'm just saying... It begs the question. It begs the question. And also, you know, you they were... They they didn't crash in a in a populated area, but you look at uh, Pakistan. The fact that crashed where people live. Yeah, I mean, that I was mean, another if you are at shows, if you're at an air show, sure they sit you back, but there's no guarantee the planes are going to crash over top of the over top of the, the airfield. Field. Yeah, they could go anywhere. They could wipe out everybody watching. Yeah. So, uh, ah. listen, I, I enjoyed the Yellowknife air shows. I'm super glad we went. Um, but it's just an interesting conversation. Maybe it's a longer conversation. We gotta have save some time for our, our guests today. Yeah. Which, by the way, uh, will be uh, my wife, your mother, Jean. Yes. And uh, my sister-in-law, your aunt Anne, uh-huh. that are going to be joining us to talk about. They're both working uh, through this pandemic. One's working from home, Anne, and and Jean is going into work. Well, so is Dylan, for that matter. Yeah. But uh, I thought it would be an interesting conversation. Well, we thought it would be an interesting conversation yeah. to, to get some different points of view and and, and uh, just what's what's different and, and how things have changed working through this pandemic, be yeah. it from home or from the office. Mom will have more, uh, dare I say, interesting opinions than I do when it comes to that because she's a manager. I'm just a grunt. And, I just a, I'm a point-and-shoot guy. Um, another worst thing I have to say, though, I don't know if it's a worst... I don't know exactly what it is, but it needs to be mentioned is Joe Biden uh, in an interview saying that if you're having trouble between deciding to vote for Trump or me, then you ain't black. Yeah, you know what? You, uh, I actually put that in, the, in our Trudeau and Trump section. Oh. Under Trump, I said Biden. If you're <laughs> considering voting for Trump, you ain't black. Yeah. And I've seen, it's interesting. He has apologized. Did he? I didn't hear that. I, he reg- well, he regrets commenting, saying it. It's interesting. I read today, though, that Trump now is preparing um, a $1 million ad scheme to attack Joe Biden just on that comment um, to court African-American voters because that's a voting block that uh, is very important in a few swing states and the Republicans generally struggle with. Um it's interesting, though, because I've seen, like, uh, both sides of the spectrum. Um, you know, obviously, we're two white guys, so we don't, can't comment too much of because uh, we don't have the same perspective. But I've seen, um, uh, I know Wanda Sykes, who, if you don't know what that is, who she is, you can look her up. She's a very funny um, African-American comedian. Uh, she came to Joe Biden's defense saying he was trying to make a joke. It wasn't very funny. Comedy's hard, but um, it was And wasn't. he's not a comedian. Yeah. And, uh, and he should stop trying to be one. I think yeah. that's half his problem. Yeah, probably. Um, but she said it wasn't outright offensive. Um, at least she didn't find it outright offensive. But then uh, a GOP senator who's also an African-American said he found it offensive. Um, so it seems to just be, I think, maybe a partisan issue. The CNN headline for that, the GOP senator, though, was... Um, GOP's sole African-American senator... <laughs> says that he found Joe Biden's uh, comments offensive. So, I don't know. Joe Biden, he does better when he's not talking. <laughs> and what I think will be interesting, right now, I read an article that was talking about how he's spiking in the polls because he's off camera and Trump's on camera, and so people are just upset with Donald Trump, so they go to Joe Biden. But I wonder if he'll start to lose ground once he's, like, the official nominee in their debates. And, like, he has to yeah, we'll see. talk for extended periods of time and answer questions on the spot. He can barely get out his prepared remarks. He did a... I saw an interview with him on Stephen Colbert, and he did a nice job. That's good. But but Colbert was really lobbing the ball to him. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the... I mean, A, it's not... It's a comedy show. It's not supposed to be necessarily the most hard-hitting interview. And B, Colbert's a Democrat. Yeah. No, exactly. Like, they didn't bring up anything controversial at all. Yeah, so it was... and that's not what they're looking for on those shows. No, exactly. It's true enough. But then, well, anyway. Yeah. yeah. Uh, your best and worst? Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I'm really happy. I discovered, and it was brought about uh, by this podcast. I'm trying to keep a little bit more up to date on the news. 
And I found this app called uh, Ground News. And it, it delivers all the news. They don't write the news, but they, they publish articles from many, many different papers, journals, magazines, whatever. And then they they uh, rate them on their bias. So on for one story, they might have a left, a lean left, a center, a right, and a lean right, or a lean right and a right, and have all the headlines um, for the different stories and where they were written. So you can see all the different headlines and see exactly How the, different, the different skews on the same story, which is really interesting and probably the way you should read most of your news, I think. Yeah, no, it's good to see because, I mean, you showed me just like a few slides and uh, it's interesting how some of the articles, even just the headline, like, might be very similar. But then as soon as you start, like, as you slide across the political spectrum, there is change. So that the left-wing article and the right-wing article talking about the same thing are framed completely differently. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, who's to... The, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. Or a collection of all of it. Or a collection of... Everybody pulls out the bits they want to tell. Yeah, exactly. To make their, to make their side. Well, it's interesting, I was... Which um, is why you should read all of them if you want the whole story. Yeah, exactly. Although there are some um, very left-wing articles and some very right-wing articles that I can struggle to read because of the the commentary that goes into it. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I studied in... Um, I can't remember which university class I was in, but it talked about news articles and framing and uh, it talked about how it's difficult because these things are not really good because people, depending on what they, the news outlets they describe to, their beliefs can be heavily skewed by what the parts of the information they're being fed. Mm. Um, but news, because there's just so much news, so many news reporters, they have to just choose to give you certain chunks. Yeah, absolutely. So they kind of have to choose what they think is important. And there's articles that say uh, there's no left for this article or there's no right yeah. for this article. So sometimes they don't pick it up. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you can only read what you can read. But and then not only what's important within the story, but what stories are important. Yeah. And it's especially true online because um, online articles, as opposed to like newspaper articles, are getting shorter and shorter and shorter as... Um, people's attention spans get shorter yeah true and but they also have some really good ads in them <laughs> adds to the actual length so but uh anyway i just thought it was a really good app and it, it gives you a a, a well-rounded idea of, of the different stories that are happening mm -hmm. um another thing that we might have a different idea of whether it's a good or bad thing but some sports leagues are starting up uh the german football league has started no fans and uh, I I think it's good. It is risky, but they're doing it safely, uh, isolated, no fans. And yes, they're taking lots of tests, and you'd say that's a, a waste of tests. But they vowed for every one they use, they'll give five to the to the country. So that uh, I think as long as they the the teams here can follow some sort of similar model, I think. Uh, sports is a welcome distraction in a time where people are in need of distraction. Yeah. It'd be difficult here. Well, I guess Germany has, I think they have states. Um, they have some sort of sub-national government levels. I don't know what it is. Um, but I was going to say it'd be difficult here because it would probably be much easier to get sports going in the West than it is in Ontario or Quebec. Well, I don't uh, think they would do it. I think it'll be in any sort of major sport, like any league that is Canada and the U.S., there won't be any games in Canada. They'll be all in the U.S. So the Maple Leafs will not have home games, per se. They'll have games where they're the home team, but yeah. they won't be in Toronto. Because you can't cross the border. Yeah. So I think what... I don't what want most, the Americans crossing the border. I think what most people are, are... What most leagues are looking at doing are setting up uh, a small area that has lots of facilities within that area, like for hockey, maybe Minnesota. Mm -hmm. um, for basketball, I think they're looking at Disneyland because there's all kind of basketball courts around in there. Oh, for cool. baseball, they might be looking at Florida or Arizona where there's all kinds of facilities in a small area. Yeah. And scheduling all the games at all those facilities so they don't go for, like, no, L.A. won't be playing in L.A., Toronto won't be playing in Toronto. Everybody yes. will be playing in Arizona. Yeah. 
That could work. I did see something about Jason Kenney wanting to bring the NHL playoffs to Edmonton. Yeah, I, I don't think that's... I, I'm sure he wants it. Oh, yeah, no, he's full of bad <laughs> ideas. He's full of bad ideas. I'm not saying that's a good idea, but what I'm saying is I have heard some people saying, yeah. let's bring it to Canada. Though the fact that it was Jason Kenney makes me think it's a terrible idea. So you do need to do the testing, and and, and I think the key to that is you know, doing some sort of giving back with the tests where you make them available to the general public for everyone that you use. And as long as they do that, uh, go Leafs go. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, a couple of bad things. There was there was uh, a few that I saw this week. What the the Georgia uh, they produced a graph of their COVID numbers, and it was steadily going down. And it turns out they put the dates in the wrong order. Oh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say maybe they showed it upside down. No, no, it was the dates were scrambled. <laughs> like they weren't even in backwards order. They were just in the order. So that they went down all the time. <laughs> and uh, I don't know how you make that mistake by uh, mistake. Yeah. Pretty obvious uh, trying to skew the numbers to, to show that their uh, opening is going well. So yeah. that, there's some issues there for sure. Well, I don't trust any Southern Republican governors. I disagree with a lot of Northern Republican governors. But as soon as you get into especially the South uh, uh, East... Um, I don't know, this just seems to be where most of the corrupt politicians, and especially the corrupt Republicans are. Because Brian Kemp, who's governor of Georgia, stole his election. During the election, uh, the gubernatorial election, 2018, he was running to be governor, and he was also the, uh, the lieutenant governor or, or, or secretary of the state for the province. I don't know, he had some sort of role where he was in charge of facilitating the election. And he rigged it for himself like there is evidence of this we've seen it but they don't do anything because he's the governor and he's just like not run an investigation but he is one of the most corrupt governors in the u.s probably next to ron DeSantis. um on another note just a more local thing um the uh in the local paper there was a story about how a cop in 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 the area i live halton Stopped a motorcycle. I think it was in Burlington, but I, I could be wrong. It could have been Oakville. It doesn't really matter. Going 136 in a 60. <laughs> and and it's, there's one thing to be said for speeding on a highway. Uh, even even that's bad. But at least you're not... You're going 60s are residential zones. So yeah. You're going 136 through a residential zone. That is really... I mean, it's dangerous, yes, but just stupid. It's really, really stupid. I mean, you're just asking to get pulled over. Well, you're asking to kill somebody or That's yourself. It. and I, Yeah. You crash going 136 and a 60 and you end up dead. Too bad, but kind mm -hmm. of brought on yourself. But there could easily be somebody walking or what, you know what I mean? And, yeah. And you can, it, it's so easy to kill somebody else when you're in a vehicle. that It's just, I, 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 I'm not sure the punishment can be too harsh for that. Yeah. Uh, more anti-lockdown protests, this time in Berlin, where 60 were arrested. Um, I just don't quite get it. Uh, yeah, it, lockdown sucks. I think we mentioned this last week. But it's just not worth not doing it at this moment still. Uh, yeah. We're, we're still early days, I think. And it's brought this podcast around. So how could it be to, a bad thing? To be fair, I think I mentioned it to you before the lockdown. Do it while you're home this summer. I don't think so. Well, I was thinking about it before the walk. Oh. <laughs> uh, and and one other thing that I... I uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big worst week. It's so much easier to come up with worse. Yeah, well, yes. There's a, there's a trend in some stores in the States where they're not allowing people to shop if they're wearing masks. Yes. Which is insane. It's yeah. insane. Oh, in the name of freedom. Yes. Which, which is, is absurd. And 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 not freedom. freedom. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, the exactly. absolute opposite you're, of freedom. You're... I want to wear a mask. You can't. Yeah. For the freedom's freedom. sake. Like it's I know. ridiculous. It's uh, it is ridiculous. It's absurd. and it's this oh my god, it's a whole other discussion. The mentality in the US where liberty above all else and 
And, uh, well, I mean, like you said, even that's an infringement upon liberty, but I don't know what it is with half of the American populace, but they just seem to be completely unable to see the, um, oh, the words escaping me, contradictions in not, their own thinking. I'm not sure it's half. I, I don't, well, I'm pretty sure it's not half. I just think it's a vocal minority. Yeah, possibly. What, third? Quarter? Yeah, probably <laughs> somewhere around a quarter. I mean, I don't know. I hope it's less, but I think it's a vocal minority. All the people that live in the states that I know are don't like aren't, uh, you know, they aren't. Uh, they don't think in that way. But neither do you, and that's just the circles we swim in. I really want to get just like two seconds of ACDC, TNT, <laughs> just just. But anyway, I uh, don't want to be sued, and I think ACDC is pretty litigious, and I'm sure they listen. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Trudeau and Trump, Trudeau this week, uh, it, normal, pretty steady as far as the COVID goes, but there's one thing that I think he's dragging his heels on a little bit, um, and that's the, the Nova Scotia uh, shooting inquiry, uh, or inquiry, mm-hmm. potato, potato, which is the I right say, way? I don't know. I, I think I say it both. Yeah, I, I think, think I, I do too. I say it both ways, depending on context. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, so he, uh, right now the government in Nova Scotia is waiting to see what Ottawa wants to do as far as an inquiry. Mm-hmm. And, uh, JT is waiting to see what the RCMP comes up with. So, I mean, I mean, the RCMP is probably still investigating the crime and that is their job and absolutely they need to finish that. But before we get too far away from the incident, I think it's worthwhile uh, appointing somebody to to oversee the handling of the incident, and and I'm not talking about assessing blame, but let's let's have a look at how it was done, how other places do it, and how what what is the best way. Yeah, and then and then we can roll it out for for nationwide if it's needed again. Yeah, absolutely, an independent inquiry. Yeah, and and I think and I think the longer you wait. Uh, the worse your results are going to be. I mean... Oh, for sure. I mean, we had an inquiry when Canada lost the Nagano Olympics. Uh, (laughs) They didn't get a... I think they didn't get a medal. They got knocked out uh, before the medals, and and there was a hockey inquiry, like, within a month. Really? Yeah. So I think this is probably a bit more serious, and... uh, Maybe we need Wayne to come up and do it, or start it or something. But I think it needs to be done, and I think Trudeau should uh, stop wasting time and, yeah, and, and do it. absolutely. I just want to say, um, on the issue we were just talking about, um, there needs to be an inquiry. I have an inquiry. Yes. And that, I think, is the difference for, for me personally. I don't think there's actually a correct way, but we need to have an inquiry... So there are separate inquiries, but I have inquiries. Mm. That's my official position on that. Okay, good to know. Trump, uh, well, I, 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 did, I did have the thing about Biden, but we already talked about that, so uh, I'll just leave that be. A uh, couple things on Trump. One, uh, looks like there's a bit of a, a new Cold War brewing with China. Um, I've heard that a few times now, in yeah. like a few different things, and I wonder... Uh, I'm sorry, I'll let you get to what you want to say in just a second. But I do wonder if it's real and like an actual new Cold War, like with how the U.S. and the Soviet Union did, or if it's just media hype. And a bit of posturing by both countries, probably. Yeah. But he, uh, right now, Trump's talking about, uh, well, he says there's been a lack of transparency from Beijing on the COVID uh, outbreak, which is likely true i mean nobody everybody probably likes to uh try to minimize their responsibility and things like that but but i'm sure they need to be more open mm-hmm. um so I, i'm not sure we have a problem with that but he also thinks he's pushing a theory that it was leaked from a maximum security laboratory also may be true the laboratory has said that they have three strains of of live um, coronaviruses, but their similarity to the SARS-CoV-2 only reaches 79.8%. Uh, 
Um, and that's the, that is the coronavirus strain that causes COVID-19. It seems to me, I mean, I can say that, that something seems a little fishy there. Uh, we only have three. We've never had four. It seems a little fishy. And it's, vi- it's possible that it somehow got out from that laboratory. Yeah, it's possible. It's I can say sure, that. But... You can say that. In, unless you have evidence, if you're the president of the United States, I'm not sure you can push conspiracy theories. Uh, well, I mean, clearly you can, but you probably shouldn't. <laughs> uh, he's been doing it for three years. No, I agree. It's a, it's a big problem. Um, Donald Trump's whole foreign policy ideas, his entire or approach lack to thereof. everything. Yeah, it's a mess. There's a big... And with China, he's really been um, shit in the bed recently. Uh, he, oh, I need to add a beep yeah, in here. need to add a... <laughs> A beeper or a, uh, make it a, an explicit warning. Yeah. Um, but there is a whole foreign policy position that most Western democracies um, have been embracing for a few decades now. Uh, Pierre Trudeau started it in Canada in the 70s um, towards China, like foreign policy stance towards China specifically, where we open up markets, we um, have more relations with them. Because before Pierre Trudeau in the 1970s, Canada didn't recognize the People's Republic of China which is mainland China, as China, we recognized uh, Taiwan as China, um, uh, officially. And uh, Pierre Trudeau switched that. He recognized the People's Republic of China against the wishes of the U.S., though they now recognize it too, um, because there's huge economic benefits to doing that. Um, But the other thing is that there's a whole theory um, that you open up your markets, you get relations, you tie yourself to more other countries, and A... It makes it safer for you because you can make war too expensive. It's just not worth it when you've got like when you've got a good trade thing going. Um, and two, uh, you can slowly start to have influence in that country to bring it around to your ideology. If you're like, hey, look at all the things we can still have and be a free democracy. Um, and now, was that ever working? I don't know. Yeah, I... but it certainly what's not going to work is. Uh, Trump yelling and shoving and basically more firmly entrenching the Chinese government in their positions because, I mean, he's posturing for his base. He's not actually trying to do anything. He can actually... The other thing is, I I don't 100% trust the Chinese government. Well, why would you? I mean, they've... they've, they've obviously... And, and I mean, I, I will never own a Huawei phone. Yeah. Oh, me neither. I, 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 I do... I do believe they're probably... I wouldn't put it past them that they're spying on you. No, any and, and any authoritarian regime. So I would not trust the government. I, I'm as not saying far as Trump. I can throw it. Yeah, but Trump isn't my my as much as my point is just he. You got to be a bit more careful with your words when you're in the state. Yeah. yeah, when you're a when, yeah when you're a world leader, absolutely. Yeah. And then the other thing that that he said this week was if if, if the second wave hits, he said it. People, well, his direct quote was, people say that it's a very distinct possibility, it's standard, and we're going to put out the fires, referring to a second wave of COVID. So he's going to be putting out the fires rather than doing the shutdown, which, this, I mean, you look back at, at the the Spanish flu, the second wave did more damage than the first wave. Yeah. So you can't say that. It's it just like... You can say, we hope not to shut down the country again. And we hope to be able, through vigorous testing and contact tracing, put out the fires and keep things tight. But you can't say we're not going to... Sh- you just can't say... You, it's you like, don't know. You don't know what's going to happen. You might have to shut down the country again. Yeah. It's like... Why not take preventative measures to prevent a fire at all? Like, wouldn't you rather have a fire alarm than just let your house burn down and be like, ah, we'll put it out if it catches fire? Yeah. We'll, we'll salvage most of it, I'm sure. <laughs> All right, so now here we have with us in the studio uh, is uh, my mom, Jean, and my aunt, Anne. My aunt, Anne. And, uh, yes, there we are. Hi. Your, your aunt, it's Aunt Anne. Yes, my aunt, Aunt Anne. And uh, I guess she's joining us over, uh, uh, what's it called? Telephone, cell phone. Uh, she's not here in the studio with us, so thank you for calling in. Mom, thanks for being here with your wine. Um, and so I guess we'll just jump right in. Um, so Antan, you've been working from home. 
Mom, you've been going into work, both working through the pandemic. Um, and what, uh, obviously, besides for you and a change of location, what have been the biggest differences and the biggest challenges um, working through this all uh, from your different perspectives? Uh, start? Let's, let's start with uh, uh, Mom. Well, I felt as soon as COVID-19 started and uh, we started changing our workplaces, one of the hardest things was to actually go to work with the message consistently being stay home. It was as an essential worker, it was, uh, it was really hard. It was a lot of anxiety for myself and a lot of anxiety for the people I work with and you could feel it at work. So I started hating listening to the news and the radio and on TV and the lunchroom and everybody's like, stay home, self isolate. And you have to keep going in. And we joke at work a little bit about nobody wants to be patient zero, mm -hmm. you know, and start it all. And you, you really are sort of sitting at work, looking around at each other, any little cough or sniffle that goes on. And uh, you, you worry. It's tough. I've been using a lot of hand sanitizer, and I'm <laughs> starting to be told I'm using too much hand sanitizer. It's <laughs> wrong to use too much as well. So, I don't know. We wash our hands a lot, and we use a lot of hand sanitizer. Yeah. So that's, that was the biggest challenge of working during this. Weren't you telling me early on that you had a coworker who got pulled over on her way to work? Yes, when she was leaving, because she left at 10 o'clock at night. So um, we all have letters that from our employer saying that we're essential workers. That if we're out at weird hours, you can get pulled over. And, people, you know, mm -hmm. they're wondering what people are out doing at different hours and uh, wanting people to stay home. So that part's good. If you can stay home, stay home. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. And Ted? Um, well, you know, I want to say one of the most positive things about it, about working from home is that I get to sleep in an extra two and a half hours. So that's <laughs> nice. nice. That's really, I enjoy that. Yeah, that's And, great. uh, you know, um, at my work, which may give away a little bit of what I do, we have spirit days every month. And one of my most favorite spirit days is wear your pajamas to work day. So I have that every day, which is lovely. I can just roll out of bed and go downstairs to my dining room table and turn on the computer and start doing my work in my pajamas with my coffee. So that's nice, uh, a positive. Um, one of the challenges is that my work is all over my dining room table, so I no longer have uh, a dining room table to sit at because we, we unfortunately don't have an office in our home. So those people who are working from home, if they have the bonus of having an office, then that's great for them, but we don't. So, you know, on an average day, I'm sitting there doing my work and then I have, might have my two children also trying to sit and do their schoolwork. And that's a, a tough part too, or a challenge with working from home is, is having the kids at home. And I know there's lots of other people out there who are experiencing the same thing, who are trying to help their students with the distance learning that the province is doing um, while also trying to do their own job as well. So that's a big challenge and um, my heart goes out to all the people who have to do that and we're all just doing the best we can. Um, but I definitely feel safer when there's talk about going back. Um, I'm concerned. What's that going to look like? How am I going to keep myself safe? How am I going to keep my family safe? Um, when we do return to work. So that's a, that's a big concern. Um, another challenge is trying to balance the your working at home with your everyday home life and not letting your work kind of encroach or creep into um, the time you spend with your family and the things you need to do around your home. Um, and for me in particular, I, there's a lot of emailing back and forth, and it's hard to stop myself. When the workday is finished, if I receive an email, it's really tough to stop myself from responding back to that email at like 5, 6, 8, 9, 10 at night when I should be focusing on my family and uh, my home. So that's a big challenge, too, is separating work from home. Yeah. Can you get the kids to pitch in, like do a little <laughs> bit of child labor? I, I try. I try. They're very resistant. They just want to do their thing. But, um, yeah, we, the kids have actually kind of, it's been nice because they are learning a little bit more about cooking and cleaning and house maintenance and things that they normally, we would normally necessarily have got them 
to do. We've done a lot of baking at our house. I don't know if anyone else noticed when you go to the grocery store, all the aisles, uh, the baking aisle, like the shelves are completely empty. Absolutely. They are. Actually, we were going to do a segment on weird things missing from the grocery store. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) That idea never came to fruition. but I have noticed that. Apparently powdered milk is, is... is really popular. <laughs> yeah, and th- we couldn't find sun-dried tomatoes. Who's, oh, how, who's taking all the sun-dried tomatoes? And chocolate, chocolate cake specifically, and then all types of icing. Yeah, no icing Just at all? No icing at all. Oh, I think goodness. a lot of people are doing... I know a lot of people who have increased baking. Madeline's doing a lot of baking, which, you know, I'm not going to complain about, but... Uh, Most of her baking takes place... I, I, you know, you, you said your kids are doing more cleaning and, and cooking and whatnot. Mostly, our, I think Madeline's discovered her... Uh, really got to know her bedroom more intimately. <laughs> I think a lot I of hear teenagers certain hours of the day she comes out of her bedroom to say hello. Yes, yes exactly. So, mm-hmm. she you got to get time in with her on those specific times before she's gone. <laughs> it's seven something. She just came down wondering about dinner, but I think she sees us in here doing this and she's gone back up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, boy. We had a late lunch. To be fair, we had a late lunch. We did. And you talked about how much time you're saving in the morning. I know your drive isn't that long, so what are you saying? That you now you're skipping getting dressed, doing hair, doing makeup? What You know, are you brushing your teeth at least? What's going on there? <laughs> well, I'm a morning showerer. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> that's a word. Um, yeah, so it's, it's getting ready for work and then um, getting into work. When I when I was working at um, my workplace, <laughs> I I always was there an hour before I had to be there by contractual law because I was doing prep work and getting things ready for the day so that I was prepared. So there's a uh, that hour of getting ready and also of getting the kids out of bed and getting them ready to go to right. school. So that time yeah. I'm saving and then. You know, my time at work that I was prepping before my clients arrived that mm-hmm. I needed to do my work with. So, <laughs> are you all saved. Are you finding, like, sitting at a laptop eight hours a day tough, like, <laughs> at, in well, your home? I or? was doing that to begin with. And uh, when I am at work, I'm pretty active. Like, I'm on my feet. I very rarely sit down. And I could easily get in 10,000 steps on my, on my Fitbit before I even came home from work. Uh, but I found that all I did was sit there. So I uh, definitely, like I think lots of people are talking about out there who are um, working from home, have put on a little bit of weight. I call it my COVID-19. It's kind of like the freshman 14, but it's yeah. my COVID-19. <laughs> um, so that's a struggle. So in the past couple of weeks, I've, I've, I've tried to get up and, and move around, maybe do like a half an hour work at the computer and then get up and put in a load of laundry or unload the dishwasher or walk around the block but um yeah that's been a challenge uh for me i didn't even think to talk about was the sitting for so long it's just not good for you and i feel badly for people who have office jobs that have to do that mm-hmm. so i miss being on my feet and being active i also miss interaction with adults that are not my family members <laughs> I really do. Like, I miss my people at work, and I even miss my building, and the building I'm in is old and dumpy and should be bulldozed over, but um, I miss it as well, you know, just the social interaction um, and seeing people, even if it was from six feet away with uh mask and gloves on, I would still, I crave it, and I miss that a lot, and I know I'm not alone in that, too. Do you feel trapped having to be at home all the time, like, to go stuck there? I don't feel trapped. Now, because I live on a large property and I'm able to go outside and I live in a neighborhood that have, has lots of kind of green space around that is still open and um, the houses aren't too close together where I am, we're able to get out and be out and about. Um, so that's helpful. But I know I was talking to Derek, uh, my husband, so you don't know who that is, um, about how tough it must be for people who are living in condos and high-rise apartment buildings. Yeah, I was just thinking about that. Yeah, being, uh, I would definitely, if I was in their situation, I would feel trapped. And I was, like, was looking at, on the news today, all of the, the that park downtown, Trinity Bellwoods Park downtown. Yeah. So it was in the news all day today, and 
thinking, like, I bet you a lot of those people, a lot of people living in Toronto are feeling trapped in their condos. Like, yeah. Yeah. they can't get out. And the opportunity, I mean, they made some pretty stupid choices, but um, the opportunity to get out on a beautiful day is just so tempting. Yeah. It's, I mean, in a way, I mean, you need to be bigger than this. You need to make smart choices, but yeah. you can see how it's easier to make smart choices if you live on a nice property in a bigger house where you have lots mm-hmm. of room. Um, and you know, you can maybe walk to the end of the street, no problem. And you can do things, but when you are packed in, there's like, you know, maybe a thousand families in a building, uh, and you're in condos and you might have two people both trying to work from home in a cramped space. Like you can go pretty stir crazy. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I mean, there are people in our family that we know like that. They had to get out of their condo and, uh, uh, stay somewhere else for a bit. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's tough. Mom, the, uh, you mentioned earlier how it was different working with, with masks and, and, uh, um, stuff like that. How is that? Like, has that really changed anything? What's, what's going on there? It's really hard with the face masks. Um, talking, you know, you're trying to stay two meters apart and then you have a mask over your face. It's hard to have conversations it's hard to do conference calls, uh, just answering the phone. You're so muffled and you get hot wearing the face masks. And we're all starting to think about June, July, August, if we're hot now wearing them. I don't, you know, I don't know a lot about industries that wear them. I don't know that they're meant to be worn constantly. Like mm-hmm. I sort of think of dental office when you're doing a procedure and a cleaning for, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes, you have your mask on. And then you walk away to clean them or go to front reception, you take it off for a bit. And even at a hospital, I think, you know, obviously when you're in surgery and stuff, yeah. they have them on at appropriate times, but I feel... And I don't think they use the same mask. Different types, yeah. I don't I don't know how many people have to wear them all day. And that could just be being naive about different roles, but they get sweaty and they get yucky and they're, you know, they're and, not a lot. We're not in a situation where we're throwing one out and getting a new one all the time either they're really encouraging us to wear the same one all day i was in longos the other day and i, I had one on and, and just after i paid i'd put my sunglasses on to go back outside and i still had the mask on and instantly fogged up the sunglasses could yeah. not see a thing i that happens to me all day at work when i put on my um uh, mask my glasses get foggy all the time i have to take them off and and uh and wipe them down. I've learned a few tricks, but I remember there was one shift where I, I worked maybe six hours straight just with foggy glasses. I found I've been taking my glasses off a lot. I I literally left work the other day and was headed to the car and I left my glasses on the (laughs) desk. I was like, I am not going to get very far driving without my glasses, but it's going to be a downfall of like, where did I take them off last? And you can't wear contacts. They're telling you not to be touching your eyes, right? So yeah. You're right. Oh, yeah. They, need to, they need to invent masks that vent out the side. I but think that, you, you that, want, that defeats want the purpose of the mask. Yeah. Well, it, it's venting at the top. It is, yeah. And yeah. the paper ones, if you actually twist them on the sides and then loop them over your ears, will create a pouch on the side. Oh, not for just the a... air to go out the side rather than up your face. And our eyeballs are drying out from our breath constantly going over them. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's necessary. It's what we have yeah, to do. Yeah, it's just part of the struggle. Um, and it, I wonder, I wonder how long we will have to do it, and if it will be to the point where we don't even notice it, and it gets so integrated in our day to day lives. And when we're told we can stop, it'll be like, whoa. Have this you is tried? Strange. Have you tried? Like for for hockey masks. They make anti-fog stuff that you can spray on your gla- on your on your shields. Oh, I didn't know that. that from somewhere. It's probably, yeah, sports store. Maybe Amazon will give that a shot. Okay. Yeah, that's worth That'd looking into. Can you imagine, Anne? They they're talking about possibly when schools go back, trying to get kids to wear masks. Can you imagine the little ones trying to keep them on? You can't get them to wear hats and mitts in the winter. Now I wondered about that too. Whenever we think about sending our kids back, especially the the kindergarten kids to like you know, grade three or grade four, and and 
Yeah, getting them to keep those on, getting them to keep gloves on, and then you worry about things like what, you know, if they need to use the bathroom, what does that look like? And, like, if the school is an old school that's small, how how are you distancing the kids from each other? What happens at recess time when they go outside? And then if you're talking about um, secondary schools that have 1,000, 2,000 students in them, how is that going to be managed? I don't know. When I... But, when I went to St. Thomas Aquinas in grade nine um, for high school, uh, it was a school with over 2,000 students. Between classes, there is no room in the halls to social distance. No. Like, you're, yeah. you're no further than two feet away from somebody. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. It can't happen. The building is not physically large enough. No. Yeah, I was thinking that they, you know, they've said there's going to be no school for the rest of the year and I thought that's good because they all these administrators they need to start figuring out what school in September looks like yeah not mm -hmm. trying to patch together a year finale right now just yeah you know, everybody going back how is that even possible maybe, maybe you have to bring in students on alternate days or something like but you can't well, you can't open up the economy and start sending people to work if they don't have a no, school no, to the send kids their kids to yeah because that's a tough it's a big it's an integral part absolutely and that sort of brings me to my next question, Antan. Um, I, I mean, I think we all know the answer, but you must be worried about how effectively you can do your job if we're not allowed to go back uh, yeah. anytime soon. Um, uh, because I know, um, you know, I've heard on the radio a few disgruntled, unreasonable parents who are uh, angry that, like, their kids... Um, are sort of like losing a year of schooling, and I understand that, um, but I think they just have to recognize that there's, it's just not possible to go back right now. Um, but I also know that teachers, oh, well, oops, um, uh, care a lot about students, and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and everybody who works in a school care a lot about the students and uh, want to see students get the, the best education, so, like, that has to be a worry. Getting your kids back. On the back. teacher's behalf, it's a worry? Yeah. Well, just on a parent's behalf as well. Like. On, on parents and and just anyone who works um, babysitting daycare, uh, 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 teachers, administrative staffs at schools, um, anybody who works with children um, must be worried about how effectively they'll be able to do their jobs if they can't go back. So come September, if they don't open the schools and distance learning continues? Well, yeah. Well, for example, we know that's happening at, at Guelph because Matt has already been told, Madeline has already been told, there will not be classes until the new year. Yeah, yeah. We know what's happening at the university level. Um, there won't be classes until January? At, at the at, earliest. At the earliest. That's interesting. So they'll be engaging in distance learning. Yeah, yeah. her first, we just saved four months of rent. Which, you know, at well, that, I mean, at that, at that age and stage in your life, I think you are better able or equipped to handle distance learning. Yeah, to some extent, but, but. I, you're missing out on all those wonderful experiences that you absolutely. get going to university. And, and it also depends on the, it depends on. It would depend. I would be a horrible distance learner. I had to go to class. I used, I did my learning by going to class and learning from the teacher. Mm -hmm. I was not a good sit down, read a book, study or guy. Right. Well, I think that there would have to be more of what they're calling synchronous learning. So um, actually live broadcasts of a professor or a teacher um, lecturing in the case of university lecturing um, or in the case of a secondary school or elementary school, um, you know, giving lessons to your classes through Google Meet um, definitely would have to happen. I, I just, I don't know what that would look like. And like you're saying, when um, parents start going, when the economy opens up and parents start going back to work, who is there to facilitate that synchronous learning, that distance learning yeah. um, for their children? Like what, something, I don't know, something has to give, something has to happen. I don't know what that is. Thank goodness I don't make those decisions. Because oh. um, <laughs> I don't know what I would do. I and mean, they're going to have to just, 
I mean, I'm assuming that the school boards and the Ministry of Education in the province of Ontario is looking to see what other countries around the world are doing and what is working for them um, in order to open the schools up and but maintaining safety for staff and for children. Yeah. And I think so that's why... I do know um, through emails from the Halton District School Board that we receive for my daughters that they have a team they put into place that's going to start making these decisions. And then I'm assuming they have this summer to start implementing things, whether they're going in and they're putting in barriers between desks or I don't know what hand sanitizing stations. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but we should be finding out, I think, or the public should be finding out in the next couple of weeks what the plans are. Just have to walk through a hand but, sanitizing shower every time you go to school. I, I, in and I, out don't, of the building. I don't know. And then I think about if they, if the school didn't do, um, so like say shift. So if you think about before we had full day kindergarten implemented in Ontario, it was half day kindergarten and your and your kid went for, you know, the AM class or the PM class. Now could they do something like that? That's a possibility. Um, if they can't do that, um, then are they doing uh, you know, smaller class sizes and does that mean that more teachers would be hired? Yeah. And where if you're in a school that's at full capacity, where are you putting those other classes and teachers are you bringing in portable? There's so many, many, many questions that they need to think about every single scenario and, and find the answers to that questions, be, those questions before the school opens. Yeah. I've also heard that there's a good chance there'll be a second wave and then it would come in the fall. Yeah, yeah. exactly. November, yeah. Which is yeah, yeah right after the, the school year. Yeah, so who knows if it would even start up in January again. Yeah. But I think that I think you made a good point. Like it's I think it was a good call to, to shut down at least for the rest of this year see how other places are handling it and learn what's what works and what doesn't mm -hmm. yeah definitely now shifting shifting again over um mom is there like what happens if there's a confirmed case at your work do we know i you know there's been workplaces that you hear on the news and um they have confirmed cases, and I, I, my understanding is people are told that work really closely with those individuals. I don't know exactly, and they're possibly, you know, encouraged to stay home for and get tested themselves, mm -hmm. and then the workplaces get thoroughly cleaned, a good scrub down. Mm -hmm. But I don't know for sure. It hasn't happened at at my workplace, and I'm not sure of details of of yeah. other workplaces. I had a I have a coworker who said that um, he said the same thing that uh, if if because he was talking about if there was a confirmed case um, that they would shut down for the day for a day and give it a good clean and then everyone yeah. would come back the next day and uh, he was saying you know and uh, it could have been empty threats on a slow day at work but he was saying that if somebody got it he would not come back for at least two weeks. Well, there's a lot of people. There's a lot of people at my workplace, and I know there's a lot of people at your workplace. And I think it's like that a lot of business people just are not at work. There's a good, I think, third of the people that, that uh, the stress and, you know, you're worried. Like, you could have a cold and you're worried it's COVID. And if you're already struggling... Well, the other people that are worried it's COVID, too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and, if, and if you're already struggling with something... Um, in your life, you know, you're already on, you already got a lot of pressure on you for one reason or another. And then to have COVID on top of it is really hard for a lot of people. So I think there's a handful of people that have, have stayed home. Like if I was someone who was pregnant yeah, and you know, I, I was able to, you want to be home. If you're a compromised person, it, you want to stay home. So there's a good portion of the workplace that that's not out there already, but mm -hmm. when you're essential worker, the luxury isn't there to shut down. It's it has repercussions, right? Yeah. Like if if you're not open, then the people that get your stuff or the people that are bringing you stuff to help make your stuff or yeah. whatever, the whole supply chain falls apart. Falls yeah. apart, and some things have a shelf life, and it's you know yeah, it's, it's just essential work is essential work, and it it impacts a lot of people. So yeah, I yeah. think there probably would be one day big shutdown, nice 
thorough cleaning of everything and she can't afford immediate co workers are advised to go get tested and possibly stay home and Yeah. You're already limping along with partial staff anyway. Yeah. Or just test the whole facility. I mean, why not? They, apparently, you they're could. ramped up. They have all kinds of testing available, and, and people aren't going. Well, yeah, I said I, I saw the stats the other day in Ontario. Uh, they have the capacity to be running 20,000 tests, and they run about 11.1,000. Like, wow. that's the, like just over 50% of what our capability is. Yeah. But And do you know what the test is? Like, to get the test, what it involves? Um, well, my original understanding was it went up through your nasal cavity and into the back, like kind of where your nasal cavity meets your throat, and it's a swab. Um, but then everything they're showing on TV is going through your throat, so I don't know. I super thought it was just a mouth swab. I, no, I, I think thought they it showed was, it up but your nose, too. Yeah, James I think it's was saying both. it's up and in, deep into your sinus cavities. And yeah, they poke your brain. I can see why people aren't volunteering unless they have like multiple symptoms and you need to know. Well, we could ask uh, our stepfather. He had it done. Yeah. Okay. That's Find a good out. point. But that's all about, if it's just a throat swab, then that's not too invasive. But my understanding was it was through your nasal cavity. Oh into, God, yeah. That like, sounds awful. Yeah, yeah. It makes me think of when uh, they used to mummify people and they'd scramble your brain and pull it out through your nose. Yeah. Stop it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, uh, I want to say thank you for, to both of you for, for joining us. I think yeah. it was, uh, it worked out well. I thought, I think that was a good conversation. I is agree. It, yeah. Is it too late? Can I have one more thing? No. Yeah. Go, go ahead. <laughs> it's never too late. What are the... it's, our, it's our thing. We can go as long as we want. Going to work, one of the biggest concerns, and maybe I should have led with this, is obviously worried about bringing it home to your family. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So there's that level of anxiety too. I wash my hands and put sanitizer on and before I come home as well. And then I worry about how, you know, like for example, Dylan's going to take the car tomorrow. And, you know, how long does COVID, if I happen to be sick, how long does it stay in the steering wheel because now Dylan's going to drive the car? Is he yeah. going to go to work? I don't know. So you don't want to make people at work stress and stress about you're sick, and then you don't want to bring it home either. After after a couple of weeks of not having Leia make an appearance, she was just in the background and barking there. right at the end. <laughs> <laughs> I do know, just uh, to add on to what you're saying, Jean, that uh, Derek has a cousin who um, her husband works in an, in a uh, retirement home. And they have three little kids at home. And so he comes home, goes straight down to the basement, showers, his clothes go right into the wash, and he doesn't have any contact with his family at all until he's completely cleaned and washed, and then his clothes get washed every night. So that's what they're doing. But you're right when it comes to your car, your car, like the handle to open the door, the steering wheel, the gear shift, the keys, like everything. you got to be worried about it. Yeah, the front door, touching the front door and the front when you come in the house. Because yeah. D- Dylan and I do the same thing. We go upstairs, change, have a shower. But um, we touch the front door I first. Know, we drop yeah. stuff on the counter. Like, know. who knows what it's on? Who knows? Yeah. And it seems it seems an almost impossible task to wipe down every single thing you touch. Because yeah, like we, we we go through so much, just like grabbing, touching, moving things, and we don't even think about it. Lysol sleeves. Yeah, Lysol gloves. I think James, he just thinks if we're going to get it, we're going to get it, and he doesn't even necessarily agree that we have to go at all the levels we are. But No, I don't. I think you got to try to avoid to get it. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think if you're going to get it, you're going to... I think you. I think it's probably good to avoid yeah. getting it. Trying. We trying to try. avoid to get it, but, uh, you know... It might be impossible if one of us gets uh, it. Yeah, I don't If somebody how, in the get house it. gets it, everybody in the house... My point was, it's not about... if. It's not about trying to get it or not. Try not to get it. Well, I said if somebody in the house gets it, we're probably all going to get it. Yeah. yeah. There's like almost no way to prevent that. Yes. Which is, a, yeah, one of the challenges. Yep. Alrighty. Well, once again, thank you both for joining. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, we'll, uh, we'll put you on the speed dial list and uh, yes. maybe have you back sometime. And thank you <laughs> the 15 to 30 people who listen. That's right. <laughs> all of them. All right, thank you. So just some parting thoughts as we sign off. Uh, you know, I'm this, we're going to end this. I'm going to go upstairs, shower, and go to bed.
because I have to get up at 4.45 a.m. to go to work. Say hi to your and, sister going to bed. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I guess I just... Going into Monday, you know? It's, that's, that's what I'm thinking about right now. That's the only thing I have on my mind is I'm going to be so tired tomorrow and I'm going to work. And, oh. But I get to leave when I'm done. So that's a positive. That'll be nice to know that shift ends. I get to go home. Why can't you and, normally go home when you're done work? Yeah, because I have to wait for you in the car for 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour and a half. <laughs> depending on the that. day. Yep. And, uh, but yeah, that, I mean, that's what I got. And also Joe Biden needs to stop talking. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'll say thanks once more to uh, to Gene, who's still here. Anne has, Anne has left us. The phone call is, has ended, but but you heard Gene just there, so she's still here. So thanks again for joining us. It was fun. Yeah. Um, and uh, what did I say? I was gonna say. I can't remember. I don't think you said you were gonna say anything. No, I said I'll just say that. D- did you? Sec- oh, oh, just a oh, with the, the the table. Oh, right, our dining room table. Anne was talking about her dining room table being covered in work stuff. Ours is covered with our, um, I wouldn't say hoarding amounts of food, but, but a lot of food. Covered overflow. Uh, it's 50% food and then 30% uh, podcast equipment. So uh, we don't have much of a dining room table either, but the good news is we, have, we can't have anybody over. Yeah. So we don't need it. That's and we true. just eat and watch TV these days. So. It's been a while since we sat at the dining room table and had dinner here. Yeah. yeah. Most of these boxes are too big for the cupboard anyway. Like, it yeah, makes it's sense Costco. That here. It's all the Costco all purchases. Costco yeah. Boxes. yeah. Like, how many? Got, there's eight cans of beans. In we almost box. went a whole episode without singing Costco's praises. Yeah. <laughs> Once again, if anybody's listening from Costco and wants to sponsor this That's podcast, Costco doesn't roll that way. <laughs> <laughs> it is exactly this word of mouth. <laughs> without paying for it anyway alrighty well thanks uh, thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you next week with episode 7 where maybe Please. Jacob will join us who knows we'll maybe. see we'll see Could happen. it's a cliffhanger and, you have to tune in to find out and then a very special guest the week after that oh boy see to your pants stuff. this is very exciting I'm yeah. excited but we're not going to tell you yet but 